Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Dear Ruby podcast. I am your host, Rubina Ahmed Haq, and along with my co-host, Bo Humphreys, Dear Ruby aims to answer all your personal finance questions. Those questions could be about retirement, student debt, should you buy that new car or get a used model, or how much will my divorce cost? Nothing is off the table. Since the start of the pandemic, we have been laser-focused on all the ways the economic slowdown caused by COVID-19 is affecting your personal finances. Canadians have a lot of questions about all the emergency benefits brought in to help Canadians financially, and we are here to answer them to the best of our ability. This week, we will break down all the big news stories of the week and how they affect your pocketbook, and we're answering your personal finance questions as well. You can always reach us to ask any question you have about your money at DearRuby.com, that's D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com, and on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, Bo, how's it going? Welcome to a new episode of the Dear Ruby podcast. Hey, Rubina. I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm on vacation. Yeah, uh, I, I really week. appreciate you making time in your, uh, in your vacation, during your vacation, rather, to, uh, to talk money, uh, you know, for our listeners. Always, always. This is, uh, you know, this is an important part of my week uh, to talk about. It's how I learn as well. You know, we've been calling our podcast uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic started, uh, you know, we a special episode, and we just discussed that before we started recording with, you know, should we continue calling it that? And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that really speaks to a lot of the lethargy that has set in about COVID-19, right? Like, we're just tired of it. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of, you know, having to wear a mask. We're tired of having to think about, you know... Uh, the people that we can and can't meet and if we should get tested, you know, all these things that we didn't have to think about a year ago. I think a lot of us are just getting really exhausted from it. And I think that we need to remind people that it's still very much a threat. COVID-19 is very much a threat. We are now heading into what is flu season. And a lot of, you know, indicators show that we could have a second wave and that will absolutely affect the economy. And I've been reading a lot about what that would mean, um, in, you know, if you compare it to March. And a lot of economists are saying that this could be uh, much worse because people are now in debt. People have now, um, you know, uh, been out of work for a long time. Maybe they've been able to go back, but not the same hours they had before. And companies who have kept people employed may not be able to manage a second wave if they are not making the same revenue and start laying people off that they didn't have to lay off in the first round. So um, I think it's really important to know that COVID-19 from a health perspective is still here. We still need to be safe. We still need to wear the mask when we're out in public. We still need to socially or physically distance. I think now that's more the more um, PC way of saying it. And uh, we definitely need to keep an eye on our money because for the next year to 18 months, some cases even longer, if you speak to some health experts, COVID-19 is going to be here and it's going to continue to affect the way that we uh, spend our money. That, that's a good point. You know, the the reason I was thinking about it is because, yeah, it seems so like it's just part of our everyday lives now, right? It, it, it's like, uh, you know, calling it uh, um, I go to work uh, every day, you know, podcast. It's it's just normal, right? So, uh, but you're right. We shouldn't normalize this kind of thing, right? It's it's uh it's not it's not normal. 
it's something that we still need to be vigilant about. I, I think the risk is that, yeah, we, we then forget. And then we don't have a mask on and somebody says, you need a mask on. And then you're like, what's the big deal? And you end up uh, on a viral video, right? We need to be more vigilant about this and remind people, yeah, because it's easy to forget if you don't, if you've already always been kind of just going out and, and now it's actually even easier. You can go sit on a patio with a, you walk in with a mask, but you take it off. We actually did that uh, this week. We had our, our first uh, date um, on uh, on Did you Friday. take Henry with you or did you leave him at home? Well, that's the thing. We had our first the date, the two of us, because Kayla was off on the Friday and I was off on vacation mm-hmm. and Henry's in daycare. Oh, so right, right, we were right. actually okay, able good. to walk and, 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 go, and put on the masks, go in, sit on the patio, take the masks off. And they had the, all the uh, process in place, uh, hand sanitizer everywhere. And uh, the, it's, it's really kind of interesting and surreal, but hard to not feel like um, it's the way that it was. Hmm. And yeah, so how do, you, how do we reconcile those two things, right? This is what I used to do is sit on a patio but everything's different. So mm-hmm. keeping all that in mind is it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, I had a patio um, uh, date. Like we had a double date with uh, two yeah. friends of ours. Um, you know, of course, that. physically distanced the whole time. Uh, and I got to say, like, it was nice to be out. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Like we had a really good conversation that night. And I, she's my oldest friend. So we always have a good time together. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't think I want to go again. Like yeah. it was really kind of a sterile experience i asked him because there were so many mosquitoes because we sat on the patio uh so as the sun was setting uh, we were getting a lot of mosquitoes i'm like would you mind lighting a candle or something because the candle obviously would help keep the mosquitoes away or if they had a citronella candle is what i was asking and he's like no we're not really allowed to put anything on the tables because when people leave we have to disinfect it so it's like they're not even able to create atmosphere because when you go to a restaurant like comfortable for you yeah 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 that's very interesting but it was busy. This was the lake house. If you're in, uh, if you're in southern Ontario, you may know it when you drive along the QE. You see it on the side. I never realized it was such a popular restaurant. It's right okay. on the lake. It's got a great patio. Uh, we didn't get a seat on their regular patio. They've opened up like another section, which in and of itself felt very kind of sterile because the, mm. the tables are so far apart and they've got different seating in there. They've obviously brought it in so that they can accommodate more seats outside and like. It was fine, but if I'm going to spend the money to go out, I, I just I feel like I just want to wait until things are things are normal again. I, I I didn't really enjoy the atmosphere, even though I enjoyed the company a lot. The other thing I, that 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 brought to mind is this concept of drive-in concerts that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, where there might be a big stage somewhere where you can drive in and watch it like a drive-in movie. And I think, but we're all used to a certain type of experience when we think of something. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to have to adjust the way that we think of something to be able to enjoy it fully. And that's what I'm hearing from you uh, about this patio experience. And that's what I imagine the drive-in concert would be. You're there. You get to see a live band on stage, but it's just that you know, you're in the car. You don't have the crowd around you. You know, there's really something. You know, I used to work at the uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment and the Air Canada Center. Um, every concert I was there doing the finances backstage, right? So most of the time I would go up to the sixth floor where I where I, my office was. I would just walk out though into the, you know, where the spotlights were, um, and the spotlights are, and I would just uh, have a look out at the uh, the crowd, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I think back to well, when uh, Russell, well, Russell Peters is a good example actually, because mm-hmm. not many people can fill a, a stadium, not a stadium, an arena. 
uh, mm-hmm. with uh, and Russell Peters show. can. Yeah, he did two shows. Wow. He filled. Uh, I forget what year this was. Probably uh, between two thousand five and two thousand ten. But he he did this. Dane Cook did it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Larry the Cable Guy does it too. I, I don't understand that one. But mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Foxworthy and all the redneck uh, comedy, right? Like they have this. <laughs> it's called the Redneck Comedy Tour. That's what right, they call right. it. Uh, but Russell Peters, uh, you know, I, I like Russell Peters. I think he's funny, and I can understand why so many people want to come see him. Uh, but to hear, like, 15,000 people laugh all at once, you know, at a joke, is really kind of a surreal experience when, you know, you're used to, like, little comedy clubs or, mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that kind of experience, is, I feel like, are we going to have that again? Like, you're not going to be able – you could be a comedian on stage, and everyone's in their cars, and you tell a joke – and you He's laughing in your laugh. car. I know. It's but not the, the same. The, for the comedian, even. Like, what's that like? You don't even get your laughs. So I, yeah. I don't understand. Like, doing it on Zoom, too, or anything, right? So we're going to have to really adjust um, our, our uh, expectations, I think, of what things are going to be, be like. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it's a, it's a new world. But, yeah, we have to, we have to remember that this all exists. And that's, that was the, the, the beginning of this uh, uh, conversation, right? Yeah, 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 I agree. You know, this week, the big story that uh, really caught my eye is uh, Canada's unemployment numbers. StatsCan came out with um, uh, unemployment numbers at the end of the week, and it showed that in July in Canada, we added 419,000 jobs, and the jobless rate dropped to 10.9%. But I just want to put into perspective that before mm. the pandemic, our unemployment rate was at 5. I want to say 8%. Um, So basically half of where it is now. And so, yes, we are adding jobs at a tremendous rate. But remember, we lost almost 3 million jobs between March and the middle of May. And now we're getting some of those back, but we're still 1.3 million jobs uh, fewer than we had before February. So it's good. We're getting back to work. People are feeling encouraged to go back. People feel like it's safe to go back. But there's still a lot of people that are out of work and many people who are going back to work are going back part time because that's the only hours that are available. Because many of the jobs, as, as you well know, were lost in hospitality, a restaurant industry, um, a lot of minimum wage jobs, a lot of jobs that are, are um, done by women. And so if a restaurant reopens, they may not need all the staff back. They may only need 50% of the staff back. And I actually read, um, I can't remember the name of the magazine. It's one of those free inserts that comes in the Globe and Mail. And they do reviews on restaurants. And so they were about to publish in March. And so they explained this kind of in the first couple of pages. But then they halted that and decided that they really needed to put into perspective what they were doing. And they they said that they always choose every year 10 top restaurants, 10 top new restaurants. Every single restaurant they chose had closed down. Every single one. So they still reviewed it. Right. Because okay. they the, the people had gone out earlier yeah, and done the sure. reviews, done the you know, so they still did the reviews, but they did mention that they had closed down. Then they also do 100 best restaurants in Canada. And in that at the top, they put uh, staff numbers before COVID staff numbers after. And okay. most of them were like 35, 7, 100, yeah. 22. You know what I mean? Like really trying to put into perspective that if their capacity was 100 employees, they're only really hiring back 20%. In most cases, the numbers were about 20% of what they were before. So that's a, I thought that was a really, even though I didn't meet, I I was reading it for the recipes last night. I wasn't really reading it (laughs) for any economic news, but I'm like, I thought that was a really clever way 
uh, for them to uh, keep the content because really the content's useless now, right? Like, why are you yeah. reviewing restaurants that don't exist? Uh, and it was really mm. interesting. I thought it was super interesting. Um, I'll, I'll get, I think it's called Good Food and Wine or something. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tweet it out on it's my... Um, food and Drink, is it? No, it's not no, that one. I can't remember. That's the LCBO magazine. Yeah, yeah, it's a free. It's a free one. I know the LCBO one is free as well, okay. but it's a free yeah. one that comes. I will. Um, I will uh, put it on uh, on Twitter. Always at, at, at uh, sorry, not always save money. That's who I am. Well, you can always follow me there as well. But at, um, <laughs> on our Dear Ruby podcast, I'll, I'll I'll put a link to that magazine because I thought it was just a a really clever way. So it sort of said two things. So you know, this business obviously that sells this magazine, they're like, we need to pivot. We need to make this content relevant. That's yeah. how they did it. And then the information they actually gave was eye opening. Like, wow, these every I, when they said. Every single new restaurant we, we reviewed that we said was the 10 new hot restaurants that you have to try in Canada have shut down. That is just heartbreaking um, to hear that. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it's a really good example uh, of, of what, you know, like people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I guess some people didn't get their jobs back or uh, people have to pivot. Um, yeah, this is a, a really interesting look at uh, that industry. And uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see any analysis of the uh, live entertainment uh, concert uh, business as well. Cause yeah, because how many people I, do I you hire see. back for a drive-through concert? Like, what, how, what, what, do those, what do the staffing numbers look like for that? Do you need as much staff, really? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, I, well, actually, uh, I feel like I should probably talk to somebody in, in, in the business to see uh, people who I know who plan tours. In terms of what they're doing now, if there is a tour on the horizon for 2022 or something like that, what does it look like? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the the logistics of all of that stuff. Do they have to socially separate everybody? Like, were they probably crammed everybody into a bus before? Is that even happening? Can yeah. can people travel on tour buses anymore um, yeah. without uh, you know without feeling at risk? Mm -hmm. So is the cost of of that kind of thing increasing? Like the mm -hmm. tables. Uh, uh, not only do they have less staff at the, less staff at the restaurant, they have less capacity, uh, less ability to serve people in mm -hmm. the time that they had before. So, uh, so even uh, if we drill down, if we go back to opening a restaurant and the costs of that, someone's going to do an analysis and say, "Okay, this is the cost of opening a restaurant." And before I was able to just you know pack the house every day for the first three months and get all of our investors' money back. Mm -hmm. Is that is that possible now? Is it mm -hmm. going to take three years? And by then, will our um, uh, will the trends be be done? And will our, our our restaurant not be popular anymore? Like I or or will there be a waiting list for four, five years because you can't get a table for six months? You know that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, well, who knows? It's all going to change because of those these new uh, circumstances, right? But yeah, so the, you were you were saying uh, this because of unemployment. It looks good that we're getting it back. But it's not close to where it was before. We're still at record highs. I think people need to understand that even at the height of uh, so the last time we were at this at this uh, number was in the 1980s. I believe it was nine percent unemployment. Okay. So we're still at a record high. We just kind of went really high, and now we're coming back down. Yeah. I also wanted to point out, which is really interesting. So StatsCan this year provided this, this month rather in July provided race based data. Uh, on jobs and COVID. So the national unemployment, like we mentioned, 10.9% in July. For black Canadians, so black women and men, that number was 16.8%.
For South Asian Canadians, it's 17.8%. And this number really blew me away in a, in a bad way. Uh, South Asian women, unemployment is at 20.4%. So, you know, we've talked about this so many times, how we all seem to say, say things like, we're all in this together and COVID-19 is all of our problem equally. It is not. Everyone right. is affected yeah. by it differently, uh, depending on your um, economic status, uh, your, if you're a visible minority, if you're not, if you're a newcomer to Canada, all of those things, your age, all of those things play a huge role in how you are managing this pandemic. You know, I'm in my 40s. I own my house. We have some savings. My husband and I have not lost our jobs. Our situation is much different than someone who just arrived in Canada. And I've been seeing these questions on Facebook uh, a lot from uh, young people who are like, I immigrated to Canada in January. I just got my apartment and just started looking for a job. And now COVID hit and I don't even qualify for CERB or any of the other benefits because I haven't been here. So there is much worse situations uh, financially that are happening for Canadians. It just depends on where you are in your life and where you are in your career um, and what kind of job you had. That person needs the job more than anybody Mm -hmm. and they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not, uh, what are the reasons? Why, like, are there specific reasons? Is it because, uh, for example, South Asian women, are they, do they uh, typically work in specific kinds of jobs? Like just, you know, I guess generally, right? Is that So I would, um, I'm not, I don't want to assume too much, but yeah, I would do we say. Know any, do we know why? Yeah, so I, I, they didn't drill down into the why, but yeah. I would assume just being South Asian myself that um, South Asian women um, are, Uh, likely to stay home when they have children. There is still very much that kind of gender uh, role that's expected. Um, I think that's true for not just South Asian women, but many other cultures. But since we are specifically talking about that, and I'm talking from my own point of view, is that, you know, around me, I know a lot of women who stayed home when they had children. Um, So I would assume that when COVID hit, if they had a part-time job somewhere or if they were working somewhere at minimum wage, making some money, if they lost their jobs, they may just choose not to go back until things get back to normal because they may not have childcare. They may not have support from family because you can't everybody in your home. Um, Maybe they just have decided, okay, we're going to live on a single income. Um, That's just an assumption. I'm not, I'm not saying that that is true. That's one possible. That's one possibility. Um, But you know, it's, regardless of whether, um, uh, you know, whether it's COVID related or not, the, 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 the situation right now, well, it is COVID related, I shouldn't say regardless, but regardless of how you feel about why certain people are not working and certain people are, the numbers tell the story. And that mm-hmm. is that certain groups are more affected than other groups. And I would be interested to knowing what the white male uh, unemployment rate is. Yeah, and I would I'm like pretty to know sure that it would be below 10.9%. It makes me wonder um, how much systemic racism is at play here as well in terms of hiring back, you know? Um, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, given the, given the choice, given, you know, in, in immigrant versus non immigrant as well, are employers uh, choosing, uh, you know, the quote unquote safer, uh, safer bet? You know, like uh, everyone's got anxiety. So when you're hiring people back, you're going to hire. Yeah, you know, and just regular systemic racism. You hire people that look like you, right? You hire people that you feel like uh, can relate to your situation. And I wonder how much is at play here. Just like you know, I say systemic racism because uh, you know, I, d- I doubt anyone's doing this uh, like explicitly. Like 
I'm only taking back the white people, you know? Uh, people don't generally do that anymore, I hope, uh, <laughs> you know, by saying it out loud, right? Mm-hmm. But they, there's still all of this uh, bias uh, going on in people's heads. So, um, you know, that would, that would make sense to me if that's part of these numbers too. Yeah. And I mean, there's already so much that's unknown about what's happening with COVID-19 and the economy. And mm. so a person may just not want to take a chance on someone who just arrived in the country or someone yep. they don't understand yep. their yep. education or they, you know, whereas in a normal economy, they might say, you know what, I really like this person. I want to take a chance on them. I want to help them succeed. So even those people there's who so mean factors. well normally, yeah. they may not, uh, they may not, they just going to, you know, and this is true. We are human beings. When things are not as they should be, we go back to what is comfortable. And to that is base, just the way that we our are. Our base instincts, right? Yeah. And yeah, and that, that I, that's, uh, I mean, it seems to be happening in the States uh, so much. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of examples of a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just good to, I'm, I'm glad that you brought these numbers up, uh, but I would like to know the why. Like if there, if anyone uh, was able to provide an analysis, because it could it could help us understand how to change these this disparity. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, we can't we can't stop the empl- unemployment rate from being as, uh, low, but we can try to stop it from being uh, so different uh, demographically, right? And uh, between races, right? Like mm-hmm. it it doesn't have to be this way, right? Um, so yeah, that's a it, it, that would be good to to analyze. We need to use this pandemic to try to figure out how to change a lot of this stuff, right? As, uh, as what's happening in the States and the, all the riots and here too. Yeah. So this is a good segue into this survey that I found that shows that, and it's kind of like obviously, but I, I like that they actually have the data that shows that the COVID-19 is exacerbating the financial stress of working Canadians. So not even those who are unemployed, mm. which we just talked about, but even those who are employed because we know the job losses have been fast and furious. Three million jobs lost in the first uh, just two months. Um, even if you have your job and you're, you know, the company that you work for hasn't given any indication about layoffs or job cuts, you may still feel very insecure because you are seeing it happen around you and you're thinking, well, you know, it's not like layoffs is something that they give you, you know, a month's notice. Like usually it happens pretty quickly. Like one week you get an email saying the company's restructuring and then the next week they they lay the people off. It's not something they really give you a big heads up on unless you're a seasonal worker and they you know that your contract's coming to an end. Generally speaking, layoffs happen um, out of the blue, if you, if you want to call it that. And this new survey was from the Canadian Payroll Association. It found of the 4,000 4, working Canadians that they t- spoke to that 58% feel more stressed about mm-hmm. their financial situation. So half of more than half, almost 60% of people working are feeling more stressed now than they were before the pandemic. And this is people who are working that still are making a paycheck and are able to, um, you know, continue their financial life as it was before the pandemic. And so that really then shows me that those unemployment numbers, that there is a lot more stress in that than we are even um, we are even uh, looking at, that we should be uh, really taking care of the mental health of a lot of the people who have lost their jobs and how stressed they must be feeling about their personal finances. Because, yeah, if we look at this uh, kind of situation uh, in before, in the before time, if you want to call it that, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seems like decades ago, it does. Um, and uh, we would be either comfortable in our job and, and know a little bit about the company that we work for and that it's pretty stable. And so the only thing that might cause a, me to be laid off or, or uh, uh, fired, if you will, is, is if I don't do my job well. So as long as you're doing your job well and you're getting good feedback and the talk around the company is, yeah, you know, things are doing well. 
then no worries, right? No, you probably don't have a lot of stress about that. But now every company is affected by this, no matter what. No matter if mm -hmm. you're pandemic-proof, like, say, my job is, and people are still uh, making their proposal and bankruptcy payments, because by law they have to, uh, that doesn't mean that we're getting a bunch of new people coming in, right? And so this it's up to the company that I work for to look at those numbers and to make decisions and pr mm -hmm. to project, right? It's, it's, not, it's not even fair to assume that they're going to keep everybody on uh, just because, right? Just because they're a good company. Well, every, like the best company in the world still has to look at their bottom line mm -hmm. and decide, okay, can we afford all these people and are we going to be bleeding too much? Yeah, so, at the end of the day, it's yeah. it's just about their numbers. If they need to right? cut staff, they will find ways to cut staff. And um, So you know, no this one's is, immune. No yeah. one is immune. Even if you work for like a big corporation that's, that's been right. really successful for decades, if they if their bottom line is being affected, the number one way for them to save money is to lay people off. That's like the number like payroll is their biggest expense, and so they they lay people off, and then maybe they'll hire people back later. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything to the people who have been laid off. Um, so you know the stress of knowing that, of knowing how insecure your job may be, and just the economy in general. Like where do you even? invest your money how do you know that your job is safe how do you know how to make long-term plans should you buy that house or not all these questions then become really hard to, to to answer because you really don't know um where your own personal finances are headed and where the economy is headed yeah and and i i think i read something else uh, uh on twitter this past week or even last week uh was about uh how um, a lot of canadians are not uh, saving for retirement they stop their retirement savings like mm -hmm. it's everything's on pause mm -hmm. if not they've not just like stop right completely even the employer matching type things maybe have slowed down and that's because yeah nobody knows you want to hold on to your your cash flow you don't want to put something in that's supposed to be uh, uh for you in 25 years um uh, you're thinking about you now mm -hmm. and that that's that's the shift right um so yeah the, the, there's a, such a contrast right some people don't have jobs at all, and so they're trying to figure out how to get money. People who have their jobs and are generally what we would call the most financially secure people, they feel at risk as well. So if they're feeling at risk, I can only imagine people who are just starting out and, and, uh, and don't have anything uh, and are trying to build savings, trying to build that emergency fund, trying to just pay their bills. Um, the stress there has got to be uh, through the roof. And uh, I guess, yeah, that's where the government uh, uh, stuff comes in. But that's uh, that's going away. Right. What, what did you say earlier? It's ending at the end of September. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, CERB, which has dominated anything that we talk about uh, since day one um, for a number of reasons. It's a brand new benefit that nobody really understood in the beginning. And now that everybody understands it, now people want to know how much they can rely on it. So there was an announcement made. We talked about it last week that CERB will be coming to an end uh, September 26th. Uh, that's when the last four week period will end. Uh, they, they, the government made available seven four-week periods. And in the beginning, they were only uh, allowing people to apply for four 
four-week period. So 16 mm-hmm. weeks, you could apply for CERB. So it's it's a it's two thousand dollars a month, or if you want to make be more specific, five hundred dollars a week, and you are allowed to apply for that two thousand dollars four different times. Then they said, okay, we are extending it. You can apply six times. So then, if you need, you still had lost your job due to COVID nineteen, whether it's because you became sick or because you were laid off because the company had to lay people off, you could apply for CERB uh, for six of those four periods. Um, Now that it's coming to an end, the government has announced that people will be asked to shift to EI, but then that brings up a whole new other questions. All those people who work in the gig economy, all those people who don't pay into the EI system, because as you know, if you're self-employed, you can choose to pay pay into unemployment insurance. Not I don't pay into unemployment insurance, um, so I would not be able to qualify for EI. Um, so that's the question I put out. I've, I've started a TikTok account and I've noticed CERB is the hottest thing to talk about. So you if you don't mind, Bo, I, on TikTok here. This yeah, yeah. The CERB ones get the best, the CERB and the wage subsidy. Those are the two things that people are most interested in talking about. Um, so I wanted to, if, if you don't mind, Bo, just go through a couple of the questions. Yeah, Some of them a, I know you haven't heard, but we can kind of talk about, uh, what at your people should be known. 55 comments on uh, some of them are your responses, I think. I don't know how they count the comments, maybe. Maybe there's 55 whole comments from people. That's yeah, no, this, well, we'll go. Some of them are pretty repetitive. So I'll go. Th- the first okay. one here is what if I don't qualify for EI uh, back when I was laid off before COVID 19 was announced and then can't find work because of COVID 19? but qualify for CERB. So the way that I understand this question is that she's saying that um, she probably is self-employed or works in the gig economy or contract worker and doesn't pay into EI. Mm -hmm. So she was able to access CERB. So she's now asking, you know, what if I don't qualify for EI? That has been the number one question. You know, I I don't have EI, whether I don't have the hours or I just never paid into it. Um, So the long, short answer, the short answer, the answer to that is that if you don't qualify for EI, you can't apply for it. But the government has said that they are going to come up with some sort of system for those people who work in um, gig kind of jobs or self-employed to still access some emergency benefits. But that has not been announced yet. Um, I uh, that's that's like the only answer I can give. They have, you know, if you did lose your job and you and you qualified for EI and they laid you off, um, they would have to, you would have taken CERB and now you could access it, EI. Yeah. So it, as, it would as if, as if September 26th was March 15th. That's how you would see it. But that's not everyone's situation. Not everyone has the hours. We need to know hours. what that new one is. So that what this new benefit might be for people who don't qualify for EI, right? The, the government, the, the prime minister alluded to, but hasn't elaborated on or has No, it hasn't. Like the, this, the, it hasn't been elaborated how they're going to help yeah. those people who are, um, who are uh, self-employed, who have been because that's like the by and large. Uh, the questions are coming from self-employed people saying, okay, we took CERB because that was a benefit that was made available to us. Um, You know, I work in, I'm a musician or I'm an artist or I'm a freelance writer and I just haven't gotten the work back. What am I supposed to do come September 26th? I think the confusion might be in the wording that the government presented, like the CERB is switching to EI, right? Yes. Right? And so, well, wait a minute, but only for people who qualified for EI. So whatever this uh, adjusted middle-of-the-road EI thing is for people who wouldn't qualify for EI, that's what needs to fill in the blanks. And like you said on your comment or your reply, we're hopefully, hopefully we'll get more information soon on yeah. that. Yeah. 
And the next question is kind of the same. Uh, what happens to people who lost their jobs before COVID? Uh, because it's something that people aren't talking about. So say you lost your job in January for whatever reason you were laid off. Yeah. Uh, you did not lose your job due to COVID-19. So you would have had to uh, rely on the severance that you got from the job that you lost and EI. And so in a sense, you really did not qualify for CERB. Although I know the government was saying, because during this time, say you were laid off in normal times, you would be able to go and get a job, right? So you could easily say, yeah, by now I would have landed a job, even though I lost it in January, but I can't because of CERB. Um, So it would be, uh, you obviously would have your severance and you would have been taking EI for the first bit. So if you were on CERB, you will pick up in September as if it was March. And then you can continue uh, looking for a job and hopefully land one and not be on EI anymore. I just feel like if anybody has a nuance-specific question where they don't fit into a category, there should be someone in the Canadian government to speak to to give you a specific answer. All right? And that's that's really it. Like, you know, not everybody, a lot of people just fit into the categories. I'm like, okay, serve to EI. I'm on EI or I'm serve, and it's pretty clear. But mm-hmm. if you're in the middle there, yeah, just like, get, if we, I don't know if you can get somebody on the phone these days. I haven't tried, but uh, that would be like I would want someone from the government to tell me to my face that, yes, okay, you've told me all of your truth. Now here's here's what you qualify for because that's that's the only way I could guarantee that I wasn't going to have to uh, pay penalties or pay it back uh, later because there's a lot of people who are in that spot right now, and I, I worry for some people who took the serve and don't technically qualify because maybe they, you know, either – didn't tell the whole truth not on purpose not explicitly but you know there's a easy way to answer the questionnaire without uh, being completely uh, uh, honest or maybe they're not even aware of certain parts of their of their life where they may or may not qualify right Uh, so it's a it's a tricky thing i think there needs to be a lot of support um, uh, on that kind of thing from the government for sure what, yeah, else, so uh, um, that I think that's where we fill in the blanks. Uh, you know, yeah. personal finance journalists, personal finance experts. We're really yeah. the ones that are d- diving into all the information and trying to bring it um, and answer those very specific questions. Because from what I understand, trying to get through to somebody um, tough, eh? is at Service Canada is almost impossible. Like you're just on hold forever. And this has been true, especially for people who were on maternity leave or or parental leave. Or, um, you know, who had been laid off. So people who already were suffering from a job loss or were not at work because of other reasons. And now COVID hits and, you know, everything is sort of thrown um, uh, into distress because you don't have a job to go back to, but you don't really fit the whole, I lost my job due to COVID-19. So, yeah, it it, it can cause a lot of, like we talked about, a lot of stress for people who just don't know where they fit, right? So that's why we're here to answer some of those questions. Yeah, what's uh, what's next? Is anything yeah, so um, someone asked if I got EI since the beginning, what happens? Can you answer back? So uh, I had asked her, you know, are you getting EI before March 15th? Because really, then most likely she would have taken, this is a lady who asked, she would have gone on to CERB because her job may not have been available. And then she would just go back on EI. So if you already qualified for EI before March 15th, you, the answer is pretty easy. You can just take EI. It's more for yeah. those people who are self-employed. Um, and, 
are, and then someone's asking here, is CERB different than EI? It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So you know, from the beginning, I've said CERB has a branding problem. They should have called it income supplement or something, like really explain to people why CERB was created. Unemployment insurance is a program that you pay into when you're working. It's insurance so that if you lose your job by no fault of your own, so you're laid off or the company goes under or whatever, yeah. or you're fired, um, then you can you can get you can get unemployment insurance benefits. So then you say, hey, all those insurance benefits that I paid into, I'd like to tap those now, just like any other insurance that yeah, you pay it's into. it's an insurance product. Just exactly. pay it through it our payroll an... and it's mandatory. That's the Exactly, <laughs> yes. So CERB is not like that. You didn't have to pay into it. You didn't have to sign up for it ahead of time. It was an emergency benefit. So that I feel like they should have called it emergency income support, in my opinion. Mm. Um, if they had called it Canada Emergency Income Support, it would have been not... C's? I don't know what they would have called it. Anyways. Like, respo- like response? Is that the bar? Is that what it is? And right now, it's Canada Emergency Response Benefit. I yeah, feel that, like the word no income sense. replacement should have been in there I think somewhere. relief would have been better than response. You know, like just they're responding to an emergency. Yeah. Benefit. I mean, I don't know how they come up with these. But sometimes I think they come Real up quick. with this because the acronym quickly, is, is easy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that so, acronym. Exactly. So it sounds good. Yeah. Sure. Like. Yes, yeah, same with TFSA. Like I've always argued it should be oh, called an investment not account. account. Not yes, a savings not, account. It's not a savings account, yeah. <laughs> you could do a whole okay. show on that. Yeah, it's, so it is different, and CERB is available much more widely to those people who didn't pay into it. It really is a response to, I guess that's why they put the word response, response to COVID-19 and the dramatic job losses that Canadians felt. So um, it's not going to be here next year, hopefully, right? Yeah. <laughs> but EI will. EI is something it that will be, be there, here. It won't be there in October. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people had asked, like, do I have to apply for EI? And absolutely you do. You yeah. don't automatically just get EI. So I think that's another thing the government has kind of made it sound like it will just be uh, converted so it becomes to EI. EI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So you have to, just like with CERB, you have to apply for every four week period, cl- uh, you know, uh, proclaim that you did not make money during that time or you made only up to $1,000 so that they want that on record so that if there's ever a question, they can go back and say, no, you actually said you didn't make money, but you did, right? Uh, so it's not just like a, a benefit that comes to you without any questions asked. So that's another thing is that people should know that you do have to apply for EI and um, and that there really is not that much clarity as to what's going to happen with uh, self-employed people. Yeah, um, not yet. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, the, uh, a, lot, a lot of people are asking about people who abuse CERB. I keep saying, you know, that's not really my job. It's not my job to tell people whether uh, who's abusing yeah. it and who's not. You know if no. you're abusing it and you know, if, you know, if the just, CRA comes calling, you're going to have to pay it yeah, back. Just like any audit, like if you if you uh, don't tell the truth or, I mean, I keep trying to say, like, I don't think people are lying explicitly or anything. But if you don't do your diligence when you're applying for something, you and then you get audited on your taxes. You got to prove things, right? And you're gonna mm-hmm. have to pay tax on the CERB too. I feel like we should mention that whenever possible. Um, it is taxable, so save at least just over twenty percent of the CERB to pay taxes later, or make sure you have that money uh, mm-hmm. in an account, right? Or have the ability to get it later. I know it's hard, right? Because you want to mm-hmm. spend it now. I you need it now. Two thousand is hardly anything for one person. 
So I've been getting a lot of flack for saying exactly that. I, you know, I say save 20%. People are like, how am I supposed to pay all my expenses with $2,000 and still save? Yeah. And I understand that. So what I would say to those people is that make a note of how much CERB you are taking so that somewhere between, you know, now and next May that you're able to say, okay, I should have $1,500 in some sort of account just in case I have a a tax bill. And then by the end of this year, for an example, December 31st, you'll know exactly how much you made. You'll know how much income you made. You'll know how much CERB you took. You will know how much EI you took. All those things will be very clear. So you can do your own calculations and say, yes, I am definitely going to have a tax bill. And then you can spend between January and the end of April trying to come up with that money. So that's another way of approaching it. If you just really need cash flow right now, you really need to spend that money on everyday things is that just be in the know. Don't file your taxes in April and say, wow, I didn't realize that I had this big tax bill because all the information for you to figure out what your tax bill is going to be is available as of January 1st. So that's all you got to do is sit down and do the calculations and figure out how much uh, how much income tax have I paid, how much EI have I paid, how much CP- CPP have I paid, and it will give you, ex- it will, it, from that you can go into a, a calculator and figure out what the differences are and then start to save that money for April. And it's it's important to note that the majority of people will have to pay tax on a serve, right? Because if we just look, if we look at the situation with everybody's taxes in Canada, mm-hmm. right? So thirteen thousand or so is the minimum, uh, the threshold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you don't have to pay tax. The the likelihood that someone's and, and that's federal, but provincial numbers are different. I think it's eleven something in Ontario, for example. And then if if you the lowest rate combined for those things is just over twenty percent in Ontario, for example, for your tax rate. The the chances that you're able to survive in a year and not make that thirteen thousand um, dollars with other work is very low, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're likely going to be making that at least. So that mm-hmm. means. Very likely, uh, and there will be some exceptions, of course, uh, but very likely any SERB that you get is going to be over and above that $13,000 non-taxable uh, uh, threshold that you have to pass to pay taxes in Canada. So it's just fair to assume that you will be taxed. But do your calculation, of course, to find out mm-hmm. what your tax rate is, because it could be even higher than this 20%. It's like it's like 20.1% is like the marginal tax rate in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you make more than all of that, uh, because you had a great rest of the year before and after Serb. Or maybe you um, made great money like January, February, middle of March, yeah, right? exactly, yeah. right? Beginning. At the, uh, at the beginning, of it, you made great money, and then this is... So you may have higher taxes. That's all. Just you do the calculation, as Rubina said, but don't assume that somehow you're going to, uh, because you make very little money, you're maybe not going to have to pay tax. It's, it seems so unlikely to me uh, that you're able to pay rent uh, but maybe you don't pay rent. And I've, I, I do work with people who, who live at home and don't have a lot of rent, don't have a lot of expenses. So they, they need the CERB and they didn't really make any money elsewhere or mm-hmm. as much. So, mm-hmm. hey, maybe they made less than 13 grand in the whole year. That's totally fair. And mm-hmm. so they won't pay tax, right, uh, on that. Um, but and tax rates are very low. I, I do want to yeah. sort of stress, like up until forty, fifty thousand dollars, like you're not really paying those really high. You're, you're obviously still paying some income tax. You're paying CPP and EI, but you're not really, um, you know, really. The more you make, it's the top dollar that you make that pay, that you pay the most amount yeah. of tax on. Um, so often you'll hear people say, well, you know, I made X amount and I just gave half to the government. No, you don't. The first X amount yeah, that you make is taxed just difference, like everybody else. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like the yeah. extra, you hit a certain point 
and then say you made $5,000 over that threshold, say the mm -hmm. 20% one that we're talking about, right, which mm -hmm. is basically somewhere around 14 federal and 6 provincial, right? Like that's mm -hmm. sort of the breakdown of that first lowest thing. Well, let's say the next one is like 30%. Well, only that 5000 is taxed at that, right? Mm -hmm. the, the first bit was taxed at what you, you were always going to pay. So, yeah, they're right. That argument comes up a lot where, oh, I got to keep my salary below this. Uh, if I go $1,000 over, now I'm paying a higher tax rate. Yeah, on that $1,000 only, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. It's something we need to talk about all the time, apparently. Uh, everybody yeah, I don't think people that. understand marginal tax rates, and yeah. people also don't understand that paying taxes is actually a good thing. Yeah. If you're paying more taxes, <laughs> actually means you made more money. Um, made more money. Mathematically, you cannot say that because I made more money, uh, someone who made less than me walked away with more in hand. It's just mathematically yeah. impossible. No, but, yeah, and that, it, it, you know. it actually is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, the last thing I wanted to, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which I think is a question that a lot of people who have never taken EI would ask is that, um, how much are we getting, uh, when it comes to EI, which I think is a fair question. If you've never taken EI, you may never have looked into why, or sorry, how much you actually get. Yeah. So, um, January 1st, uh, this is numbers from, from the Canada.ca website. The maximum yearly insurable earnings amount is 54,200. So mm -hmm. you cannot, um, insure your income more than 54,200. So if you made $300,000 as an example, you yeah. are not uh, able to insure your income to that level. You can only insure it to that level and you only get 55% of that for okay. the insurance that you pay into EI. So the maximum amount that you can get EI is $573 per week. And that's if you had an income of more than 54200 So um, for many people, that would be the case before March 15th that they had a full-time job. They absolutely yeah. would make those numbers up. It's not between January and March. It's uh, looking back it's at the, the whole entire year. year yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so that would be the max you would get. So, you know, just a little bit more than you were getting on CERB, if, that, if that's the question you're asking. Yeah, so that, that so if your net paycheck, um, so you're saying five seventy is that what you said, give or take five seventy three, yeah. No, when you and that's right? that's the taxable income. FYI. So <laughs> that's uh, you know a net, yeah, like that. That's not that's not a huge amount um, to pay. That, that's just honestly, it's just over the CERB. I mean, yeah. CERB wasn't taxable, and this is right. is this EI payment is that taxable as well? Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. EI, any income so is like thing. when you're on so, maternity leave. Yeah, so um, I would I would say mm. that you know right now it may not be possible, but towards the end of December, um, say you took maximum CERB. So take EI out of the equation just for a sec. So say you took maximum yeah. CERB, you would have had gotten twelve thousand dollars in benefit. So whatever yeah. income you made in the year twenty twenty, just add twelve thousand dollars to it, and then figure out how much tax you owe on that money. And from your pay stub or your T4, it will show you how much taxes you've paid already. And then Deduct you can do the calculation. Figure yeah. out how much you might owe. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if you're lucky, it's just the amount of the CR CRB tax. Um, but <laughs> otherwise, it might be other things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, a lot of people have not had to deal with it. I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Uh, deal with a situation where they get money that hasn't already had tax taken off. They mm -hmm. don't know what that's like even. It's it's because if you've always been paid by someone, they take care of that. So this, I don't I don't want it to be a rude awakening for people, which is why uh, we're talking about it so much. Like, um, it's, And it's it's the rude awakening that uh, the newly self-employed people get when tax time comes. And a lot of people do end up um, having to file insolvency because they didn't really think about it. If you made a lot of money in a year, but you didn't pay, keep the money for taxes... 
then you can't pay the CRA. Now you're back behind in your taxes or you don't file your taxes at all because you're like, I don't have the money. I don't want to have to let them know. Eventually, the, you, they will find you get audited for five or six years. Then there's penalties and interest on top of that, and you cannot afford to pay mm-hmm. um, or live your life while still paying the CRA what they're owed. So it's best to get ahead of this stuff. It's really important uh, to get ahead of taxes. Always mm-hmm. be on time with taxes. Everything mm-hmm. else, you can be a little bit late if you like. Even your your rent, like you can talk to your landlord about that, right? If you're like, oh, I need a couple of days, sure. Landlord's a person, you can talk. CRA, don't try it. Don't try it. They, they, they're not good with that. <laughs> they don't like late. Uh, so, you know, it's important to emphasize that because I see a lot of CRA debt uh, in, in people's uh, estates. So, I know why I now had that October 3rd date in my mind. Um, there the is a, a line here in the Canada.ca website okay. about who's eligible for CERB and anyone who stopped working because of reasons related to COVID-19 or eligible for unemployment regular insurance, et cetera, et cetera, between December 29th. 2019 and October 3rd, 2020. So that's why I got those date, that date in my mind, I think. It's really about um, people who fit into that specific category when it came to whether you could apply for CERB or not. So um, if, you, uh, uh, if you qualified for unemployment insurance, what they were saying is that you should be taking CERB and then you could switch over. Uh, I just noticed mm. as well on the Canada.ca website that they have very specific answers uh, for people who you know have been asking yeah. us questions, expected yeah, mothers, new mothers, if you're yeah. caring for a family member, if you live abroad, if you're a student, if you're a senior. So I highly recommend that you go and see if your specific question can be answered there. Um, because yes, we are more than happy to bring it to you, but you're going to get the most up-to-date information on the website. Absolutely. Yeah, I always, I always get the multiple sources and and you know never rely on us uh, to make your final decisions. Right? <laughs> Disclaim- well, disclaimer, yeah. disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yes, exactly. We are <laughs> we are here for uh, information purposes only, as the, right. the way I say it. <laughs> uh, Bo, it's been a great episode. I think, um, you know, questions continue to swirl around how COVID-19 is affecting our finances, our personal finances. Um, I myself, I have to say, am exhausted from it. I'm exhausted from the situation. I'm starting to feel a little bit of anxiety that I was feeling in March, and I seem to have gotten over it, and now it's coming back, I think, with the yeah. kids going back to school. And um, I got to say, I'm a bit bored. Like, I just, I really just want to get out into the world and do the things that, you know, all of us are, like, make life sweet, right? Meeting your friends and going on holiday and having a big barbecue. And even though I have been kind of pushing the envelope, like, even today, I'm having people over socially distanced in the backyard. Uh, We're always sort of keeping to, you know, 10, 11, even though I know we can have 50, but I am not having a party with 50 people. Mm. Um, But, you know, I've sort of kept that 10, 11 because I know in my backyard how many seats I have and it sort of helps us like just sort of stay away from each other but be together at the same time. Um, But we'll be here, DearRuby.com, if you want to send us a question, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. We're on Twitter, uh, DearRubyPodcast, where I'm also now on TikTok, so you can ask me a question there. Just search for my name, Rubina Ahmed Huck, and you will find uh, my TikTok. And um, you can send an audio question, we'll play it in the show, or you can email us, or uh, comment on one of my videos, or comment uh, on one of our Twitter um, uh, threads. And uh, we'll answer your question that way as well. All right. Yeah, well, I'll see you next week. Yeah, for sure, bro. Have a great week and enjoy the rest of your vacation. <laughs>